Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is a man named Bill Dutcher, who is a very talented singer, songwriter, and guitarist from the Phoenix area. I didn't know much about Bill before the podcast. Ethan had talked about him a little bit with me, and um, I had heard that he was really, really good at what he did. But it wasn't until I did a little bit of a deep dive into his online presence before speaking with him that I realized just how good he is at what he does. And on top of that, based on my conversation and from what other people say about him, he's a great guy and very well-spoken, so I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. This was my first time meeting Bill and speaking with him, and he couldn't have been more gracious or generous with his time in sharing his memories of Ethan and some of the experiences they had together. So here's my conversation with Bill Dutcher. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Bill. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me this evening. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, of course. I've been looking forward to our conversation. I often heard Ethan talk about you, and then I, li- I did a little bit of a deep dive into some of your um, creative endeavors online before we spoke. And um, I was just really looking forward to spending some time with you and hearing your thoughts about Ethan. But before we get into Ethan... I had some questions, uh, personal questions for you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Okay, so for uh, people who who are listening that might, that may not have heard of you, um, what is your main instrument and what style of music do you perform? I've been a uh, solo independent recording artist for pretty much majority of my career. I would say probably close to 25 to 30 years as an acoustic finger style uh, performer. Uh, a working musician, if you will. And along that timeline there, I've uh, been in various band projects, ensemble projects, uh, but for the most part, solo acoustic music, um, singer-songwriter material, and my original material tends to focus more on instrumental finger, instrumental finger style acoustic guitar music. A lot of alternate tunings, two-handed tapping, percussive, uh, in- incorporated on the instrument to kind of give the listener the impression of a little bit more than just one guitar up there, you know, a whole band, if you will, coming out of the guitar. Very cool. Yeah. I did get that sense in some of your music that I listened to and uh, some of the videos that you recorded. I really enjoyed how you um, kind of explain what it is that you're doing before you begin the song. That way it's interesting because then that's the thing that I was paying attention to said, well, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the style. And then it made it more enjoyable for me to watch you because I, you know, I was like, wow, he, he's doing that. <laughs> that's what he's yeah, doing. You know, that's a great point because I, over the years, I have learned to kind of incorporate that into the show due to people coming up and just asking consistently show to show what's going on up here. How are you doing this? You know, that type of thing. So I kind of thought, you know, it'd be part of, the entertainment side of things that if I could draw the audience in by including them, if you will, with the, a little bit more of the behind the scenes of what goes on with the song and showing them how the construction process works with the electronics I'm using and demonstrating the electronics I use in the guitar. So it is a performance slash workshop, if you will, you know, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's very engaging and uh, interesting to watch. And that's the word engaging. I always try to hold that mantra. I think when I'm performing, you know, there's a lot of great, tremendously talented performers out there. They're technically just incredible, but you know, the other half of that is, can you work the room and, and, and hold the people in the palm of your hand and mesmerize them? And that's, uh, I was just having lunch with another fellow performer today. And we were talking about that very subject um, that, Technical ability is one side of the coin, but your showmanship and your ability to entertain is the other side. And the combination of the two is uh, imperative. You know, definitely. They both have to be synonymous and working together. I agree. Uh, Do you play any other instruments besides guitar? Mostly stringed instruments. The only one I really haven't, I mean, I I, six string, 12 string, uh, acoustic, electric, bass, fretted and fretless. I have dulcimer, ukulele, mandolin uh 
got a pedal steel uh harp guitar that weird thing i play mm -hmm. you know that's a that's a very unique instrument that has sub bass strings on it that allow me to kind of emulate guitar and bass at the same time um but violin is the only one i really haven't tackled i did it's just a hard instrument to get a good tone out of it unless you do it right it sounds like you're killing a cat you know, <laughs> which is what i sound like when i try one but yeah mostly stringed instruments i dabble on piano a little bit but it's it's funny is that with piano it's a linear instrument i see it linear whereas guitar i see two dimensions i see notes up and down the neck and across the board so but piano is a good tool for composition of course and but i'm no no means a proficient piano player like I'm a guitar player, but you know, guitar has been my my main uh, main thing, both acoustic and electric. Now, are you a, a native of Arizona, or do you come from somewhere else? Or I re relocated out to Arizona uh, Christmas week of two thousand and four. Uh, okay, from Columbus, born and raised there, and my wife had an uncle out here, and prior. To us getting married, we would come out here and vacation out here and visit him. And we just fell in love with this desert lifestyle. And we always talked about going back out and visiting, going out back and visiting. And we just talked it over after we got married and we started a family and our kids were young. And we just took a leap of faith and came out here. I did not I did my research before I came out here. At the time, I was looking online and talking to other players. There was a guy in town at the time named Joe Myers who uh, was a harp guitar player, matter of fact. You know, I, I stumbled across him and I kind of got the read on the scene and uh, came out here and just started knocking on doors, starting from square one and um, never looked back. So I take it you, uh, you're still performing today. Uh, we were talking earlier, you do a lot of composition and recording. Um, do, you play, do you play out often or is it mostly in the studio? I do a little bit of everything, um, both performing primarily solo, I would say, 90, 90% of that is solo. I have a, uh, a trio uh, called Audio Farm with Shane Martinez on, on bass guitar, Stephanie Muscat on drums, and uh, it's rock cover stuff, and it's a lot of fun. I've got a, uh, a new original project that is kind of in the works, getting very, very close to being brought to the public here and it's kind of an instrumental jam band approach kind of thing that's a cross of uh fish meets wolf peck meets snarky puppy with string cheese incident and grateful dead in there and bluegrass it's crazy it's uh yeah it's uh mark miracle on mandolin from the snoring dogs and myself um jeff joas on percussion um nate marshall on bass and we've been kind of doing rehearsals and trying and getting this off the ground here but it's all original instrumental jam band stuff that draws from a lot of different flavors mark brings this bluegrass sensibility you know i'm bringing what i do and what's nice is jeff and nate have already played together you know years and years so you know all the work's done you know they're tight it's just a matter of mark and i putting the frosting on the cake and but man, there's Django Reinhardt gypsy jazz stuff we're doing to wow. funk, to like James Brown fast funk dancey stuff, to slow pretty six eight waltz ballads. It's just, it's really interesting stuff. No regard for trying to write a radio hit, just create. And you know that's why there's seven eight minute songs. You know they're, they're huge and it's you know, very orchestrated, neat parts. But what the unique angle on this, Chris, is that all the heads and the melody lines for these songs are harmonized with the mandolin player and I, and Mark has, a, it's just, it's an amazing ability to find the third on whatever I play. I can rip a lick, man, just improvise. Da -da 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 -da. He'll answer back with the third. I mean, it's just, it, we're just got that Vulcan mind meld thing going and we just, we lock together so well. So it's really exciting and I'm really excited to kind of get this going to the public. So, you know, it's uh, hopefully the start of the new year. Uh, we're going to be working forward on that. Well, you sold me. I'm looking forward to that. I really well, like how you describe that. Each, you know, and uh, I, I do recording for other people, do studio work, and uh, I've got a lot of irons in the fire with it. I enjoy it. I'm just, I feel lucky to be able to do music and do it the way I do and be able to, you know, make a living doing it. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun 
career to have. It is arduous one, a hard one, you know. Yeah. It's but it's very rewarding in the fact that you know you're 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 sharing something with other people and it makes their life better hopefully you know that's what you're trying to do i think and when the people come up and say man that made a difference to me when you did that you know that's what it's this is about man at the end i guess you know well i always think yeah. of the bob marley uh quote or eric i suppose one good thing about music hmm. when it hits you you feel no pain <laughs> you know? i like that i just music yeah. in general i mean it's been i I've um, dabbled in music my whole life and it's, you know, just an amazing, wonderful thing. And which is, you know, obviously what connected Ethan and I. Um, so thank you for sharing all, all of that wonderful information about yourself. You know, I suppose now a good place to start with Ethan would be, uh, do you remember when you met him? Remember the circumstances Absolutely. under which you met him? How, how did that happen? Absolutely. The, uh, like I said, I moved here Christmas week of, 2004 and uh i think it was january 2005 i'm like when i said i'm gonna go find all the open mics i can in town and hit them and i i happened to live we moved to cave creek when we first came out here and i was a stone's throw from kokomo joe's okay yeah he and todd miller were doing this sunday afternoon open mic if you're, that they had over there they had a regular house gig doing that and so I walk in, you know, and he didn't know me from Adam. And I walk up, just this nicest guy with a smile on his face, man. Like I, you know, like I, I like I, like I knew him, you know. He just had this openness to his soul. And he, it's like, like you're here, you know. And he didn't even know me, but the look on his face was like, you're here, you know. And I went up and I go, hi, I'm Bill. And, and he, he said, hey, I'm Ethan. Nice to meet you. And. Uh, you know, he let me get up there and do my thing. And, and, and just right after that, we hit it off. He, got, he just said, man, I really enjoyed that. What's your name again? And I, and I told him, so that, that just is indelible mark in my mind, that elevated stage at Kokomo Joe's me walking in there with a guitar and just seeing this smile on this guy's face as I walked up and introduced myself, you know, I'll never forget that. Um, I think, Shortly after that, the next, I, I ran into him shortly after that, excuse me. He was a judge in that Guitar Center Guitar Mageddon contest. Do you remember that thing Guitar Center used to do? It's kind of a contest they do. They had the blues contest and it was a bracket thing. You know, you played through, well, they had the Guitar Mageddon thing. And I entered that in 2005. You know, and this thing is traditionally geared for electric guitar shredders, right? But so I'm showing up with my acoustic guitar, you know, totally, you know, what's the, you know, doing a 180, man. But, you know, but doing what I do, running it through overdrive pedals and, and making it sound like an electric and the looping and all that stuff. And but he was one of the and then I look out and there he is again. He's a judge at one of these things, you know, when I entered the contest there. So that, that those are the two key points I remember on kind of connecting with him. Um and then I, you know, he got, he kind of told me, Hey, you need to go to this, you know, go to this place and play, check out this open mic. And he would host some. And I just started to frequent the rooms that he did. And from there, one time I remember running into his dad, Brad, and uh, shortly thereafter met Kathleen and they're just beautiful people, you know, and spe especially Brad, I, uh, Brad and Kathleen, but I saw Brad a lot when I was at the time playing in Prescott, I would get up to Prescott and play and he was lived up there. Mm -hmm. And he would always drop in and see me play up there and just would, you know, just would sit there and, and talk with me on the break and just a just super sweet guy, you know, and, and I really appreciated his involvement with what he did and you know, with his career, you know, and helping a lot of the developmentally disabled and stuff like that with what he did. That's a cause that's dear to my heart. And, you know, I just, they're just giving, giving people, man, they're just really nice people. And through that, he introduced me to a lot of the, players in town at that time shortly thereafter that 2005 2006 area he just helped me kind of connect with some people here in town you know and from there i met you know at the time i think he was playing uh with east and ash so from there i got to met you know i met ryan sims matt henderson jeff joas i think was drumming at the time and they might have had greg warner drumming at that time too 
but uh, there were some players coming and going in that band. But, you know, again, Ethan was a wonderful conduit that just helped a guy like me, you know, make those connections. I mean, he was just giving. And I've always kind of, you know, I've always, that's the kind of my mantra. I, I think that, you know, we all need to help each other, especially, you know, as musicians, you know, but as people in general, but God, the guy just really opened a lot of doors for me, you know, and I, I will never forget that. You know? yeah. yeah. I can relate. I had a similar uh, experience with him when we met, you know, so I know how um, welcoming and generous he was with his, time and and his information you know when i moved uh to phoenix i was coming from a scene where people were very guarded and my band's better than your band and this kind of thing you know so it really was an eye-opening amazing experience for me which made me love those guys even you know ethan and the group of guys i met at that same time because i it was just so wonderful to see such a nurturing musical community where everyone was helping each other out building each other up and you're right, Ethan was the epitome of that mind frame, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, he was a good guy. I mean, the guy, one of the busiest musicians I think I've ever come across, you know. Oh, sure. <laughs> nine different bands, you know, if not more. Come on. And the guy just knew his stuff, man. And just a just a professional player, just really a tasteful player. Really enjoyed what he did. Yeah. Um, I remember when the Jim Carrey movie came out, Yes, Man, um, <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's Ethan, but with music, with musicians, <laughs> never say no. And he, I don't know if he ever, uh, shared any, cause you know, Ethan was great at telling stories, right. Especially of interesting characters that he came across over the years. And it was like, he would tell me these stories of, uh, musicians that he would get together with and play. And I would just think man, you say yes to anyone who asks you, yeah. no matter their ability level or the experience they have. And, and it was just amazing to see him being so, you know, generous with his time like that. Well, and I learned, I think I learned later that uh, I, I didn't realize the, the depth of, of when he was that young, on how into music he was and what he was doing with it. I, when he, I guess he did some work with the, uh, go, you know, with the armed forces going to play overseas yep. when he was young. I don't know if you were, you, you privy to any of that. Uh, not, not other than what he, what he told me, the stories he told me and the pictures he showed me and those types of things and what Kathleen has shared with me. Um, but I have yet, to find someone who has more information about that era of his life. Cause I'd love to talk to someone and find out some more details about his USO tours that he did. USO. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I, and I don't know if I might've stumbled across that through Brad. Mm -hmm. uh, he might've posted some pictures at one time regarding that and, you know, seeing him with around people and army, you know, gear and stuff. I mean, I just knew right. what that was. And man, what an adventurous soul to want to go do that at that young of an age, man, and just go see the world and spread music, you know, with and share music with other people. Just, just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. He was one of a kind. And after speaking with his, with Kathleen, uh, we did an episode together and I was just blown away at his level of intelligence and um, ability to communicate at such a young age, you know, and his, his thought pro to conceptualize, and you know, the thought processes that he had. I think he was in fifth grade when he was uh, uh, really interested in Gorbachev and the in Russian history. <laughs> and, <stuff. laughs> and I'm saying, wait, hold on a minute. How old was it? What grade was it? She's like, yeah, it was around fifth grade, you know. And I was thinking, man, you know, I was just playing with E-Mans in fifth grade. I didn't even know who Gorbachev was. <laughs> That's too man. Man. So you mentioned how, uh, you know, when you met Ethan and he was very warm and welcoming and he introduced you to a lot of other musicians, but yeah. um, at, at, at what point did it, did it happen where you and he were able to perform with each other? Did you perform right away or did it take a little while or, you know, it, it, it um, I think there was this cross pollination thing of where I would stop in and see, 
the band or whatever band he was with at the time. I, I think it was mostly I can just recall was Easton Ash, you know, that during that time or uh, and, you know, if I was a night off and I was out watching those guys, they dragged me up on stage for a tune type of thing. You know, so it was a sit in type of thing. Sure. I think more so I go I try to go out to his open mics, you know, one to support uh, him and two to give a chance to set up and play with him, you know, and, and that. So we had those opportunities. Um, and then I think, well, the most memorable, of course, what's funny about that is that we always kind of said, you know, it's, we're going to play together someday. It'd be great to get a project and do something and start something. And we always talked about it, but due to our schedules and stuff, you know, and how busy we both were, the times we got together were those kind of, you know, showing up at his gig, sitting in or sitting in an open mic. But it, I think there was some definite um, completion with the cycle and the fact that before he left, we both got to do a show together at the Musical Instrument Museum. And, you know, I asked him to uh, sit in and play with me on my set and do some tunes together, you know, and he's just a Beatles nut like I am. And, okay. you know, we got to do a Beatles tune together. And, uh, you know, the guy went as far as he said, you know, I, I, when I remember asking, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want to do some of your tunes, you know, you know, and which was great. I wanted him to kind of embellish some of my solo pieces that were just solo naked guitar, man, you know, these solo pieces. And I said, I want you to take this and do your thing. So, you know, and it was very loose. I mean, I, I remember going down to his house and rehearsing once to go over it. You know, we just kind of skirted over the arrangements and, and, uh, but man, just getting up there and I remember sitting back in the green room with him and just saying, you know, this is, I'm, I'm really happy that we finally, after 10 years or so, you know, finally were able to do this, you know, and it, it really was satisfying for the soul to share something that special with him as a friend, you know, in an intimate setting like the MIM where there's 300 people not saying a word right. and they're just taking all in man so, yeah that's that's one that i'll hold on to forever sure yeah yeah so one of my questions was going to be you know um what was it like you know preparing and performing for your mim um performances that you did with ethan um but i think you kind of alluded to it earlier you just got together once did a rehearsal and you know consummate professional correct like i said i gave him a cd and put up you know, and boom, one time on that tune, got it. Oh, wait a minute. Is there that one note there that you wanted? To, okay, great. Next tune, boom, nailed it. You know, third tune. Okay, let's let's move that one to there. You know, I mean, the dude just had it down, man, you know, and and that's, that's the mark of a profession. But, you know, and I think we did something by the Beatles, you know, George Harrison, and I played it on the harp guitar and he did it on the bass. But he's like, I'm going to play way up here on the high strings since you're doing harp guitar. You're playing all the low notes. You know, I'll sit up here and do some chordal stuff. And, you know, it was just fun, man. We just had, had that's it. It goes back to seeing that smile. You know, we both were looking at one another and just, yeah, this is it, man. This is it. This is why we do this is to be have this fun, you know. And God, you just, you know, I just, you just lit up the room. It was just special, special night. You know, when you when you mentioned his smile, um, I see it exactly in my mind, you know, in those big blue eyes and those huge dimples. And it was so it was such a, uh, a calming and positive energy that he exuded when I performed with him. Did you have a similar experience playing with him? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like it, uh, analogy would be that we we kind of peek at one another and, and smirk or, or grin. Uh -huh. And it's like. You're sharing, we know, we're just sharing a little joke between the two of us that the rest of the world doesn't see right now at this split second. You know, I'm, you know it's just like we're having our own little laugh about this uh, in the midst of what we're doing with this song. You know, as the best I can describe, it's like you're stepping outside yourself in the moment of what you're going through and playing. And you're like looking at the soul of the other person and you're just telling a joke on the side, I guess, you know, and then, sure, okay, sure. get back in your body. It's like, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's just a weird way of explaining it, but there are times when, and I'm sure you've experienced this, but you can, your, your, your hands are on autopilot and your brain is somewhere else, you know, sure. but, you, but you're 
you're playing and delivering, you're delivering the song. I've had those moments with him where, you know, the tune is, if the tune is happening, there might be something we did that harmonically was different than what we did before, but we both are in our brain are going, ha ha, you know, and we're looking at one another going, ha ha, you know, but <laughs> we shared that one little connection there while the, the train was still plowing forward. And there, and there were lots of little experiences like that with him, I guess, when we played, you know, I just always had, again, he made it fun. He just, it just made it fun. It was always, I knew it was going to be a good time every time I walked on stage and plugged in with him. I just knew it was going to be a good time, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a common theme between all the musicians that I've been uh, speaking with. You had the honor of performing with them. Did humor play a huge part of your friendship with him as well? Does, was there a specific, you know, style of humor that you guys had with each other or inside jokes and things like that? I, I think just, if anything, maybe kind of cracking on one another for the technical creative stuff we might have pulled out of our hat in the middle of a tune, you know, laughing about those approaches on songs or whatever, like, or you know, how would you ever think of doing that, that type of thing? Or uh -huh. I don't know. Uh, he definitely had a sense of humor that with the storytelling and stuff, I mean, right. his delivery and stuff was just, just amazing. You know, I just, I, me and my wife, Paige, you know, we both would love just getting into hysterical laughing fits when we started talking with him about certain things and he just had an infectious way of making you crack up um you know of course his 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 breath of not breath of knowledge was star wars which is staggering you know and i always loved talking star wars with him because i was kind of a geek with it too you know what's funny man is that i on the on the uh when he passed i was doing Christmas in Florida and um, we were coming back that week after Christmas because I had a New Year's Eve party back here and I bought him I was down in this shop and they had Star Wars funny stuff and they had they had a hotel key fob it said Hotel Alberon you know, the hotel death star it had the death star on it and it was like room 408 or something it was like it was a key i said ethan has to have this and i bought it for him but unfortunately he was never got to give it to him man you know yeah uh but yeah i i enjoyed his star wars wit of course that one he took boy named sue and changed all the words to the star oh, wars version <laughs> that i just was just floored i just still pee my pants when i hear that unbelievable did you ever have the opportunity to hear him perform that original song he did about uh i think he called it the scottsdale song did you ever hear him do I'm that not, i'm not sure no okay you'd remember it if you had <laughs> it was very funny it kind of poked fun at the you know stereotypical scottsdale vibe you know <laughs> yeah well he just had an innate ability to improvise on the spot too and you know just sure. throw, change the last minute in the middle of a tune i mean he you know he he was just, he was just on, man. He was just firing on all. When he, when he was on, man, it's like he was just jacked into the mothership, man. He just, he could just channel anything and everything and turn on a dime. You know, he just really had, really had it. He had it all. You know, it's and so, you know, speaking about that, you know, his ability to do that and so many other things. Uh, we were talking earlier about you know, having the technical side of things down is great, but, you know, there's also the showmanship part of getting up in front of people and engaging with them and having a good time with them. You know, I learned, I learned a lot of things just by being around him and watching him and performing with him. But are, are there things that you took away um, from your time performing with Ethan that perhaps you keep in mind today or that maybe not affected the way you play, but maybe the way you see music? Is there anything like yeah. that you think of? Yeah, his uh I think his knowledge with theory and stuff and just you know on stage on how to navigate and communicate that with other players if there were like upcoming you know key changes or what key again type of stuff. He just had a really, really innate ability on on how to do that. Um very conscious of the groove, always in the pocket, 
Mm-hmm. Pocket player, but always willing to improvise and take chances. I don't know. You know, he was open to that. And I, I, that's kind of my approach on stuff. I, I, I'm very improvisational with what I do in a live setting. You know, there's, there's a, there's a framework of what I follow, but it's just, it just depends on how I feel right then and there that I might take a song and just start to twist it, you know? And sure. he, he really enjoyed that too. And we tended to enjoy doing that together and just trying to, explore unknown territory in that moment of improvisation you know and try to connect and stuff like that but he had a really good ability great ability with that and um but just his knowledge on stage i think harmonic knowledge you know i i just recall talking with him in the middle you know if we were in the middle of tunes and playing just the stuff he would say you know he had the right answer on where the tune was going i mean he just really knew his stuff when it comes to your original music, uh, was there ever a time when you had Ethan record with you or get in the studio with you to record bass lines for any of your original music? You know, that I, there were, I, I had the intent on doing that with, with some tunes, but again, the, the planets never were in line for what, whatever reason or whatever another. Uh, you know, in hindsight, I wish I could have made that happen, but I have to just take away that we were able to you know, have that time at on the stage at the MIM, and that that that's kind of the cherry on the top of the Sunday, man. You know, it's that, that that was our special moment that I take away. But yes, there were there were tunes over the years that I said this would be great if Ethan could do something on this. You know, sure. But whatever one reason or another, it just, you know, couldn't pan out. But yeah, yeah, definitely would have loved. And again, that goes back to I would have loved to kind of put some sort of project together with him and. Yeah. doing something you know on original type of basis would have been fun what was your favorite way to watch ethan perform with a you know doing the acoustic thing or with a full band you know like when you would go watch and play at all these gigs what what did what was the one that you really looked forward to i think i don't know full band because for some reason just his his you could just see that he was in a different focus in a band situation than he was on a solo gig. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it just seemed to me at a solo gig, there was a looseness of fun, having fun and, you know, still playing the songs and professional and executing and all that. But man, in the band setting, he just had a different set of ears on. I don't know if, you know, he was listening different. He was paying attention to certain things he just he seemed like a little bit of a different person on stage in a band format than he was as a solo guy he kind of let it you know took his hat off let his hair down in the solo format but okay. you know he and, and it was a little bit of like uh i don't want to say that he was act, acting like a ringleader but you could tell that he was kind of steering the ship you know there was a little bit of that i think that he was steering the ship and i enjoyed that i just i enjoyed that sense of confidence he exuded mm-hmm. you know plan and then there would be the humor thing all of a sudden you just see that smile of his pop out and his hands would you know you just go to town and <laughs> throw off a cool cool last lick you know and yeah. again that there's the there's that fun element you know he that he brought into every night man it's like here we, we're all having fun you know and I get that, you know, some people will say that about you. They'll say to me, they say, man, you look like you're having so much fun up there. I go, well, I am, man. This is why I do it. This yeah. is why we do it. I, I, I live and breathe this stuff. So I, I relate to, I can, I can understand how he was feeling right there when he would, you know, he kind of, sometimes he do, he kind of do this bend over kind of thing. I like, yeah. I, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Ah, you know, and open his mouth and, and just go to town with a lick, you know, and yeah. <laughs> just always had his fun meter on <laughs> you know what i loved is when he would uh when he'd give me a look right before he knew he was about to play a really cool lick like hey yeah. Yeah. get Here ready get ready watch this well and you know and i i was i was kind of blown away i was like oh my god wait a minute you are a left-handed player playing a righty strung upside down you know, jimmy haslip of the yellow jackets fans first thing i thought of it's the only other bass player i've seen to play like that and uh but 
that freaked me out. I was like, man, how are you doing that? And it's just that another feather in his cap that he was just so unique, you know? And yeah. I think uh, Lee Piera said that, you know, he was a unicorn, man. He was a unicorn, one of a kind. He was. Okay. So, you know, um, so the question that I was going to ask before I asked, the last question I asked was, you know, you were around Ethan. Um, obviously, you would go see him play at his gigs, and you observed him a lot. And when and when you were watching him, um, what did you notice about his interaction with other people in general? You know, what how he treated them or how he spoke to people. What was your observations in, in that area? Just always open, always you know, just polite, and just just you know, sharing his happiness. I mean, I, I, both on and off the stage, I think that there was a, you know, this, this sense of, you know, while he was locked into the groove of the song, man, he was, he was looking around the room, acknowledging people, you know, making eye contact, smiling, saying, yep, yeah, you, you know, we're all here we're having fun type of thing. Uh, off the stage just as nice man you know and 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 would break away i think from being the musician talk about music and and be more of a personal thing maybe like well hey how are you how are your kids doing you know he would ask how, how are you you know we, he would step outside of being the musician and 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 talk about more personal stuff i think you know i noticed that when i would uh talk with him on breaks and stuff like that when i'd see him he'd um but no just the same compassionate sweet guy that he was on stage and off stage and vice versa man and so if someone came up to you who wasn't familiar with ethan how would you describe him to someone who didn't know him wow man you know i just be ready to laugh <laughs> when you meet this guy <laughs> um you know if you be ready to be lifted up you know he just had a way of making things better I don't know. He just had a positiveness to him that was always the switch was always on. You know, I, I, I of course, I'm, I, I, there were a couple, some times when might have caught him in a, in a down slump, as we all do. But I think the guy just had a positivity that exuded all the time, all the time. That switch was on. I would, I would tell Pete, I would tell someone that you know this is a say. An, uh, a sincere person that uh, cares about people uh, is non-judgmental, but has a passion and a love for his art and his craft and loves sharing that with other people and making people's day better by sharing music, you know, with them. That's what I would tell someone. Sure. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, sharing is a word that uh, makes me think of another thing I'm curious about because in my personal experience in our in our friendship and relationship, there were so many good books and uh, movies and music and things that he would turn me on to. And he was always so excited. You know who he got me into was uh, that British comedy troupe. I can't believe it's escaping me. It's the most famous one ever. Monty Python. He got oh, me Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, Python nut, man. I love Monty Python, man. But so yeah, we we had some common ground on that stuff. You sure. know, you know, quoting lines, you know, real quick, you know, little little yeah. lines from all the movies and the laughing and oh, you remember this scene? You remember that scene? But, uh huh. Yeah, we had Python moments. Yeah. Aside yeah. from Monty Python, were there any other? You mentioned uh, Star Wars, Monty Python. Did you guys have other commonalities that you related to each other on? I, I would say more that it wasn't a commonality, but he would bring up stuff that I've never heard of and which just oh. made me, think, wow, this is a deep dude. This guy really goes beyond and far beyond music in that he is, he's just uh, uh, learning and knows so much more about other topics outside of just, you know, bass playing. Like you said, you know, just amazing the stuff that he would bring up and talk about topics that, one, I would have no idea about it, but, you know, he just start quoting these statistics or something or history about something. And I was like, dang, man, this is a deep dude, you know? <laughs> ah. So I, 
can honestly think of one example right now, but just the, there were instances though on several occasions where he would just randomly bring up something that I would just like, I had no idea about that. You know, now I just learned something today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my favorite things that, uh, you know, was his passion for astro astronomy, astronomy. And um, yeah. did you ever have any of those experiences with him? Where he'd have his, his yes, we did. You're, you're you're bringing back some memories here for me that were I I, I totally overlooked because I too was I'm really fascinated with astronomy, and we 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 did have a couple conversations on that on, and then we you know more of the not necessarily talking about stars and individual, but then we get on these conversations about time, you know, and then going that down those rabbit holes, you know, and. <laughs> If, if this happened, what would happen then? And then, you know, just really some deep conversations on that stuff. There were a couple instances with that, but yeah, he was just a very curious guy, you know, and um, it was just great to be able to share experiences, both like that, uh -huh. you know, side of music, you know, so. Right. And I, that, that's an interesting thing because I've had this conversation with other people that, that, that I think we as musicians, we have relationships as musicians sure but it, it, it there there's also relationships as just being the person you know put the music aside here you mm -hmm. know and what's the person like you know what, what are the interests of the person not necessarily the person that plays music so you know, getting to know him on a little bit more deeper level through his family as i did over the years through mm -hmm. brad, brad and kathleen was nice you know and and uh got to know a little bit more about him and his family but um i'm glad i got to have that in the time that i did with him because i think so many of us we cross paths as musicians and we're friends as musicians but it's hard to, to break away from that step outside that arena and be friends as just friends as humans man you know and talk about family and talk about personal issues or whatever you know and just things that humans we as humans go through and I, I i'm just glad i had a chance to kind of get him know better get to know him better through his family and uh it's something i'll hold on to forever man yeah i'm just sad he's gone you know but his memory lives on with all of us that's for sure it does it really does and you know it's been a very uh unique and wonderful experience for me to talk with so many people who knew him because that's a common thread, you know, and it, and it just makes me realize and understanding even more just how lucky I was uh, to have orbited his planet, you know. And he was just very unique and wonderful and special person. He was. <laughs> Do you remember um, any of the last conversations that you had with him? Man, man. I think... One of the last times I ran into him was down, he was playing with George Brunson, I don't know, maybe like Jolie's place in Chandler or something like that. Mm -hmm. And just on a Sunday afternoon and, you know, I, 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 I just said, I want to come out and just, you know, see you. And, you know, he said, well, bring your guitar, you know, come out and sit in. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was doing that patio gig and then he had a band gig or we might have done a benefit or something like that that night at, at, at uh, Jolie's place or Charlie's. And uh, I both got to play with him then and there. That was probably the close to the last time I saw him. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I was planning on trying to give him that little gift I bought in Florida when it was uh, after Christmas mm -hmm. that week came back but the, but i saw him previously probably a, a, probably a month before was when i went down there and saw him and george play and stuff like that but um yeah well i appreciate the time you've taken with me here this evening you know i just i, I would like to give you the opportunity as well if, if were there any other thoughts or uh points that you had thought of before we had our conversation that you'd like to mention you know i think uh we pretty much you know covered all the key points that that, that 
or jump out of me as the best happy times that I can remember, you know, and with him. And um, I just think it's great that there, that he has touched so many mm -hmm. of these musicians in this town and then left an indelible mark with, you know, all the, with the players that he interacted with and played with and had bands with and stuff. And, um, you know, it's a, his name will live on in this town for a long, long time. And this was, this was the bass player, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously doing my, my best to play a part in helping his legacy live on and document some of his experiences and the experiences people had with him. You know, I hats off to you, man, for doing this. I think this is a wonderful, wonderful way of showing, I think the community's love to him uh, and the family. Uh, I think it's a wonderful undertaking on your part. And I, I commend you for taking the time to put this together and spend your time uh, with the musicians that he is, you know, uh, had the pleasure of playing with over the years. And I just think it's great that there's this great roster of people that are telling these wonderful stories about a wonderful person, man. So that's, that's just wonderful that you're doing this. Right on Bill. Thank you, man. You know, he did, he did so much for me and he meant so much to me. It's the least I can do. You know, well, you know, I'm not the only one who over the past couple of years has just missed him so much and, and had such fond memories of him and, and just wanted to, share share those memories with other people and hear see them through their eyes you know and hear their their experience with them you know so it's been a it's been a great project for me as well and i'm glad that people listen and and are finding some you know solace in it and enjoying hearing stories about him and it's been, it's been fun yeah. to, you know so and I, when the time is right that you know Maybe all of us could get together and do some sort of memorial gig. You know, that would be. Oh, extra, yeah. I think that would be extra special. But again, when the time is right. Can't thank you enough for, you know, including me. It's an honor that you would think of me, you know, to include me on this, man. And I just am grateful to be able to share, share my stories about such a, you know, beautiful guy like Ethan. And uh, it's memories that I'll hold on to for my whole life man that's for sure thanks for allowing me to be able to share those with you and everyone thank else. you thank you for being a part of it you know because this isn't anything that i could put together without uh, people's cooperation and love for ethan and be willing to be part of it so i have a little bit of a request and i'm a little embarrassed to ask you this but i just is there any way that i could get you to play your harp guitar just a little bit for us sure yeah I'm always amazed at how interesting that instrument looks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, my wooden one's in the shop right now, getting a little work done on it. But uh, this is the carbon fiber one. These are made by a company in uh, Ireland called Emerald Guitars. And this instrument here is made of carbon fiber. Wow. So there's no wood for Arizona. It's a perfect working instrument because I can take this on a patio gig when it's 100 degrees out, 110, and it won't budge. So. Yeah, so what you have is a uh, guitar on this side. And these are just really thick acoustic strings tuned down in the bass register. So that's a D, a C. I use a B flat, an A, a G, an F, and an E. So I've got E to E on the guitar side, right? So I've got this E, F, G, A, B flat, C, D, E. So you say have an eight note scale starting on the E if you will but you can sharp sharp or flat these for whatever key you're in right so that's the theory behind this is you know if I'm in the key of D I'd have C sharp and F sharp so I could take my F up to F sharp and my C up to C sharp now I have C 
seven notes for the key of D, right? That's the way you think about this, okay? So I tune these for whatever key I'm in. Um, so, C, F. All right, so then what you can kind of do is I tell people this is like playing a piano. Um, this, these are the left hand, you know? So if I have like, there's the left hand and then I can, well, that G was pedaling below there, okay? That just keeps going. All right, I'm just hitting other subs here. So then what you kind of do is you get this root fifth thing down where you're kind of going like, right? So I'm pumping root, chord, becomes kind of like the piano pedal, the mute, right? Because these things will just and keep going and keep going. So you have to kind of pick mute, pick mute. So then once you kind of get that down, that took me about six months to get that down. You know, this sure it looks difficult to have the coordination to well, we're so, as guitar players, we're so used to doing this, you know, we're just kind of doing, working with six strings. Now all of a sudden we got to go, you know, that type of thing. Um, so then the other thing I discovered with this is that because it's like a piano, you can do compound chords. Um, for instance, if I do an A minor and I put an A in the bass, sounds nice and fat but if i put an f over a minor it's f major seven so i can do compound slash chords and put different bass notes over different guitar chords and you know you like c slash g you ever see that you know you see a c slash g sure. chord yeah but i put the g in the bass you know you get these super fat ass sounding chords man but so i'll play something here on you let's see here all right Is that, a, is that an original song? Yeah, that's one of mine. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, um, it lends itself to uh, opening up tunes and interpreting things a lot different because I have the ability to do these, you know, lower bass notes below it and, and, and kind of imply a bass player playing with me, you know, type of thing. Um, there's uh like you know the, for instance I, mean, I play a familiar melody so you can really hear kind of what this does like that that's something that by by Beatles uh, yeah. all right wow. just sits real nice on this man. So it's, it's yeah. yeah. So you can really interpret tunes differently on this thing. There's 
I'll tell you what I'm working on here. And then you start throwing alternate tunings into it. Check this out. How about... All right. Silent lucidity. Yep. He's right. Yeah, we're, we're trying to work that up. There's the middle section where it goes. Sorry, sorry, it goes up. All right. I can do that whole descending thing with the bass and, you know, and, and trying to incorporate the lead line in there with the rhythm. And sure. you really got to cut out for you, man. But it's, it's a lot, it's just, you get so creative with this thing. I love, love playing it. And it's really neat how I, I get what you're saying now, where you would tune the, the lower strings or the bass strings almost to like an open tuning of the key that you're playing in on the guitar. So you don't have to fret them. You can just pick which ones to pluck and then you're yeah. fretting on the guitar side of it. Wow. What an, what an amazing instrument that is. And what a beautiful yeah. sound you get from it. Well, like you said, you could strip down the guitar chord side of things because like, for instance, if I'm doing a C chord, okay. Yeah. Well, on the guitar, I would do this. Well, I can capture just the top G, C, E triad, right? I'll get the little, there's a C, enough there, right? right. And then I'll grab the sub bass and there it is. Know, there's this C, man. But yep. then I could do C over G, you know, C over F, you know, all these different C over E. You know, there's like a little, there's a Bach prelude that it kind of goes. Like. You know, I'm just letting the bass notes do the work and I'm playing an ostinato here, right? So that's another way to approach this instrument is you use the bass side for melody sometimes, you know. But yeah, they're they're really cool. I mean, you just you can just really do some really creative stuff with them. Yeah, that's, really cool. that's also a testament to Ethan's understanding of of dynamics within music. Where you mentioned earlier how he would play in a higher position so as not to step on the toes of the heart guitar's bass bass notes. Case in point that when we did that version of something, I mean, I've got this right. I you know. I've got the F right there. Uh -huh. So he was doing like, he might, he might be up here, up here doing something up here away from me. And, sure. But that just showed he had his thinking cap on all the time, man. He was always thinking about the composition, you know, and complimenting rather than stepping on toes. And, you know, we all, he always had his ears on, man. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the, there's a great website called harpguitars.net. It's ran by a guy named Greg Miner. Yeah, it'll tell you all about the history of these instruments. And there's 60 or 70 of us on that website that, that play it professionally. And there's CDs are available on the website and music and stuff. But uh, they're just fascinating instruments. They were, they were popular late 18, 1800s to about the 1920s, 30s. And they kind of disappeared. But they've seen a resurgence in the past 20 years or so, 25, 30 years. That, and players are really embracing what this thing can do. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean that's just amazing. I wish that uh, I wish that the listeners could get a visual view of what it is you're doing, but they're just going to have to look for some of your harp guitar playing online. And speaking of that, if people would like to um, listen to more of you or get to know you a little bit more, where can they go uh, to see you? And what are the names of your albums that you have published? If anyone absolutely. There's uh, I have two solo CDs, uh, one just self-titled solo guitar and the second CD, Finding Time. Uh, both are available digitally online on streaming platforms. Uh, I'm also on three harp guitar compilation CDs that are through the harp guitar uh, uh, .net website there. Uh, one's called Beyond Six Strings. 
which was the ver- the world's first compilation harp guitar CD that was put out in 2004. The guy that runs the harp guitar uh, website somehow found every harp guitar player on the planet, man. And he said, <laughs> send us two. And we'll have a blind judging panel and we'll make the world's first harp guitar CD. So I sent two songs in and uh, I, I was picked to be on that album with uh, 12 other players of all harp guitar music. And then subsequently, a few years later, we, we did a Christmas album and I contributed a song to that one. Uh, and then there was a dedication CD to one of the uh, foremost harp guitar players, Stephen Bennett. We did a traditional arrangement of a song called The Water is Wide. And uh, I was on that that CD as well with all the other players. Uh, I had a band of uh, back in the college days called The Crunch. And we uh, we had three albums of kind of pop rock type of music out. Uh, uh, are guys that I still keep in touch with to this day. And they come out here in April and we do kind of a reunion gig up at Janie's, you know, on a weekend. And I fly back in July over the summer and we see them. And we do some reunion, reunion shows back there. Uh, you can find out more about myself and my music on my website at BillDutcher.com. I also have a, I'm on YouTube and there's some videos available on there that you would be able to see some, you know, performance videos of me and my instruments there. Uh, but the schedule is always posted on the, my website. I will put a plug in that there's a great series that I've been doing featuring acoustic music. Uh, I've been doing this series at the Musical Instrument Museum. It's called Extreme Acoustic. And the format is three players on the bill where the audience gets to see three solo performers do a 25 minute set uh, one after another. And then all three of us come back on the stage at the end and we do an encore at the end. Well, I just got confirmation that the next show is going to be Tuesday, January 10th. Tickets go on sale Thursday, December 8th. And the players on this bill are Darren Mahoney and Rick Siege, C-Y-G-E, and myself. So it's going to be uh, people that really uh, appreciate acoustic guitar music. This is a show that you'll want to check out. It's a listening room event, 300 seats. That uh, is just an opportunity to get to see a lot of different styles of music played on the acoustic guitar. So uh, the website has that information, BillDutcher.com. That's the best place to find me. All right. Sounds good. And Bill, thank you so much for sharing your time and your talent with us this evening. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and and it's been great uh, meeting you. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for all your th- your wonderful thoughts and experiences and sharing those uh, that you have with Ethan. And um, man, I just look forward to everything that you're going to be doing in the future and diving into what you've done already. And that jam band that you've got coming, I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. That sounds like a like a really fun project. Well, the, the plan is the first of the year to get that ball rolling and, and get out in front of the public here. So I'll keep you posted. But I want to thank you for your time and including me on this wonderful series. And it was a pleasure. You're welcome. You have a good evening and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And I feel very lucky that I was able to coax him into performing for us. That was a real treat. It was a real pleasure to meet Bill. And I look forward to keeping in touch with him in the future and hearing what he comes up with next. If you would like to learn more about Bill Dutcher, he has a presence online. I'm sure you can find him on Facebook. And he also has a website, which is BillDutcher.com. Join me next week when I'll be speaking with Chris Reedy a talented percussionist and drummer from the Phoenix area. Chris and I have known each other for a lot of years, about as long as I've known Ethan, and we used to perform together um, on several different projects. It's a great conversation, so I hope you'll join us to listen to that. I'd like to leave you today with a song off of Bill's album, Finding Time, called Moonbeams. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you soon.